live from the Poly Market Studio in LA. It's the Young Turks. Woo! It's up! Turks in a brand new year, 2024. Let's hope it's a much better one than the ones we've had in the, in the recent past. Jank Uger and Anna Kasparian with you guys. Uh, we do have a lot of very, very interesting news. Um, buckle up, brace for impact. All right, Anna. All right, well, we begin with some major updates in regard to the war between Israel and Hamas. I wanted to first begin with a discussion about the escalation of tensions and war between Israel, the United States and Arab countries surrounding Israel and the Gaza Strip. So with that said, let's begin with, well, not just Arab countries, but also Iran. So with that said, let's start with that and then we'll give you more details. This morning, with rising tensions in the Middle East, Iran putting on a show of force, sending a warship to the Red Sea, according to Iranian state media reports, and its foreign minister meeting with a senior Houthi spokesperson in Tehran Monday. This just hours after U.S. forces responded to a distress call from a shipping vessel attacked by Houthi rebels in the Red Sea. Iran has dispatched one of its warships to the Red Sea following yet another squirmish between the United States, the US Navy in particular, which destroyed three Houthi boats and killed 10 Houthi rebels. Now Iran backed Houthi rebels have been retaliating against the United States and Israel over the slaughter of Palestinian civilians in the Gaza Strip. To give you some more details about how Iran has responded and retaliated, the Al Bors destroyer traversed the Bab al-Mandeb Strait, a narrow choke point between the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden on Monday. The move could be seen as a challenge to the US-led maritime task force established last month to halt attacks on ships by the Tehran-backed Houthi rebels. A Houthi delegation met with officials in Tehran after the US killed several members of the militant group during an attack on a Danish-owned container ship. AP Mahler Maersk AS suspended all Red Sea transit for 48 hours to assess the situation. In fact, here is some more information on the attack on this, you know, this this basically the ship and how the United States responded to that attack. Let's watch. The US military for the first time saying it killed Iran-backed Houthi rebels from Yemen. Those rebels attacking and attempting to board the mayor's Kangzhou cargo ship in the Red Sea. The ongoing maritime conflict linked to the Israel-Hamas war. The latest skirmish starting Saturday night local time. U.S. Central Command saying two anti-ship ballistic missiles were fired at the Hangzhou from areas controlled by Houthis. Those missiles shot down by the destroyer USS Gravely. 
Hours later, Houthi attackers in four boats firing upon Navy helicopters from the USS Eisenhower responding to a distress call from the Hangzhou. Those helicopters sinking three of the boats, killing 10 Houthi members according to the Yemeni armed forces, the fourth boat escaping. The Houthis in Yemen blamed for nearly two dozen attacks on international vessels in the Red Sea region in the past six weeks. So now you have the US military in direct military conflict with the Houthi rebels, um, shooting them down, uh, killing their militants, uh, which of course has led to this escalation of Iran sending its warship uh, to the Red Sea. Now some see this as a deterrent, others see it as an escalation of war between the United, potential hot war between the United States and Iran. Cenk. Yeah, so look, there's a couple of disastrous angles here. Number one, the war is spreading like crazy. Uh, now, uh, there's been strikes in Lebanon and in Syria by Israel. So now the Houthis are attacking in the Red Sea, we're counterattacking. So now we've drawn in a lot of different actors into this move, into this uh, war. And now Netanyahu has publicly stated that he wants to. He, he wants to bring in other uh, people into the war. He never wants to give the Palestinians a state. He brags about it. And he has tried to get us, the United States, into a war with Iran for at least a decade now. All this is very public. He and, and again, brags about it, right? So, um, Look, I understand what the Houthis are doing. They're saying, okay, you're killing 22,000 Palestinians there with your military might. This is my tiny amount of military might, but it could cause some damage in the Red Sea. And so I'm doing what I can to help my Palestinian brothers and sisters. Are we supposed to be mad? Is that, are we supposed to be like, oh, I can't believe they caused economic harm to Israel and maybe some other countries? Accrued prices when the attacks first began jumped. Two percent. Do you know what the name of this operation is for America, where we're going and sinking the Houthis and attacking them, etc.? It's called Operation Prosperity Guardian. So they're not being subtle about it. Basically, they're saying this particular part of the conflict in the Red Sea is about guarding our prosperity. So whether it's America, Denmark, Israel that's affected, they say, we'll kill you guys if you mess with our prosperity, even by Two percent on just one commodity will kill you. Now, to, but at the same time, it's fair. The Houthis are attacking the ships. If you don't want to get counterattacked, don't attack the ships, right? So I, the Houthis don't get to complain, but I think we don't get to complain either. And so, well, the Houthis weren't attacking cargo ships in mm -hmm. the Red Sea or in that strait until something very specific happened. So yeah. what we hear from Israel over and over again is that they have no choice but to bomb the hospitals because in their words, Hamas is using those poor Palestinians as human shields. Okay, well, the Houthis are now looking at Israel and they're saying, well, we'll stop attacking cargo ships and we'll stop disrupting trade in this area if Israel stops slaughtering Palestinian civilians. But Israel's not willing to stop slaughtering Palestinian civilians. Israel wants to continue slaughtering Palestinian civilians. And as a result, that is leading to an escalation of, of activity by Iran-backed militants, including the Houthi rebels in the Strait, in the Red Sea. Yeah, so all that is absolutely true. And so, you know, Houthis can turn it around and go, we have a right to defend the Palestinians. Literally no one else is. And we're not doing it by attacking civilians. We're not doing it by trying to murder people inside Israel. We're doing it by affecting trade. 
It's mainly an economic, there's some civilians involved. You know, They captured one ship and then they bombed, they tried to bomb 100 different times from drones, missiles, etc. Where I'm not downplaying what they're doing in terms of the potential for civilian casualties. And I, and I hate the idea of any civilian casualties. But it is, my point is, it's mainly an economic effort to hurt Israel. It is. But and so yeah. just to finish the thought. We're saying everything is terrorism. That's terrorism. The other thing is terrorism. Everything, if you try to defend the Palestinians in any way, shape, or form, it is all by definition terrorism, and we will kill you for it, right? And so, but the problem is among the moral problems and all the other problems that we've explained, now Iran brings their destroyer into the Red Sea. If Iran and America get into a battle with actual warships, now this thing spirals out of control. And show me the part where it's American interests. That's that's where I wanted to get to, Jenk. Because you mentioned, you know, what they're naming the international convoy that's basically trying to prevent um, any disruption to trade uh, as a result of this activity by the Houthi rebels. But you know, rather than responding militarily, the United States had another option. And the other option was, hey, maybe maybe rein in the slaughter of innocent civilians in, in the Gaza Strip. And maybe the weapons we provide to you are conditional. Maybe we're gonna stop providing you 2,000 pound bombs if you refuse to stop engaging in indiscriminate bombing, aerial bombardments of the Gaza Strip. But the US wasn't willing to do that, were they? No, in fact, as we're about to tell you, we are sending new money to Israel. and. Biden is doing it without congressional approval because apparently- Bypassing Congress completely. Apparently everything is possible as long as it helps war in Israel. Exactly. Like when it comes to you guys, oh, I'm sorry, there's nothing we could do. Legislative nothing. filibuster. Oh, the parliamentarian. Oh, sorry, we couldn't get yeah. you guys paid family leave. We couldn't get you guys Higher any wages. assistance. If you have no choice but to miss work to take care of your elderly parents. Lower drug prices, sorry, we couldn't, couldn't there's do nothing anything. we could do. There's nothing, nothing we, we can, can do. do. Sorry. But oh, Israel needs more money to slaughter more Palestinians. Right away, right away, $147.5 million circumventing Congress. That is on top of another $106 million that he did earlier, which circumvented Congress. All of a sudden, there's everything you could do. All of a sudden, you don't need Congress at all, let alone the parliamentarian or the filibuster. Who cares? The president can do anything they like. As long as the money is spent on defense contractors, then everything is kosher. Money spent on you guys, never. What do you think? This is a democracy? Now, oil prices, as Jenk alluded to earlier, have jumped up in recent days as a result of the disruption of trade activity in this area. Let's go to graphic five here. Global crude benchmark Brent jumped 2.5% to $78.97 a barrel, while the US West Texas Intermediate gained 2.5% to $73.43 per barrel during Asia trading hours. I note that because this has to do with the price of oil, which of course is going to impact prices at the gas pump. Major shipping companies stopped traversing the Suez Canal and Red Sea routes in early December, choosing to reroute via Southern Africa instead, which of course is a longer and more expensive journey with ocean freight rates hitting as high as $10,000 per container. And so the economic interests here for the United States and the international community is very real. The only difference is you have the United States providing cover for what 
what Israel is doing while pretending like they're trying to get Israel to rein in the war and engage in more targeted assaults and attacks of the Gaza Strip. Netanyahu is drawing troops out of the Gaza Strip, but you should not mistake that as a wind down of this war. They're just gonna move toward complete aerial bombardments, which I'll give you details of in just a second. But again, I mean, there were other options here for the United States rather than pressuring Israel to engage in targeted attacks of Hamas. The Biden administration has done nothing but provide cover for them while sending our soldiers and our military to the region to serve as a deterrent, but clearly that hasn't worked. And the Houthi backed rebels say that they will continue their attacks as long as Israel continues killing civilians in the Gaza Strip. Last thing I'll say is I don't want to go to war with Yemen or Iran or Lebanon or Syria because Netanyahu wants us to or has ordered us to or whatever it is, whatever phrasing makes you feel comfortable about it. But it's obvious that Netanyahu is driving this ship, if you will, and he's saying, I want further conflict with these countries. And the US, you must send me money to do it, and you must also send your own military to potentially fight a bigger opponent like Iran. And and certainly the smaller opponents like Yemen, etc. It's your job to fight for me. Right. No, it isn't. It isn't. I, I'm sorry if it makes you feel uncomfortable. But it is a different country, Israel is. It has done almost nothing for us except create massive, massive trouble to the tune of, if you care about money and guarding prosperity, to the tune of billions, maybe trillions of dollars over the course of this these conflicts. Right. Because no, they have to keep the occupation. The Palestinians cannot be trusted to govern themselves. They're animals that must be oppressed for the rest of time. So you have to be my ally in fighting all these wars for me and oppressing these people. What the hell do we get out of it? I'm sorry, we have to ask the question. What do we get out of it? Nothing, nothing. So if that hurts your feelings, that's kind of on you and not on me. So please, let's look after our own interests. And our interest is not to get in a giant war in the Middle East so that another country can oppress other people. Now, the economic concerns are the main reason why Netanyahu and the Israeli government have made a new decision in regard to their military tactics in the Gaza war. So let's get to those details. The increasingly dire economic impact of Israel's war on Gaza is a major factor behind Netanyahu's decision to pull troops out of the Gaza Strip. Now, this should not be mistaken as de-escalation of war by the Israeli government. In fact, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari said that you know, this move to demobilize some of their soldiers did not in any way suggest or compromise Israel's intention to continue fighting until it destroys Hamas and the fighting across Gaza will remain intense. Hagari, who had said he expected warfare throughout this year, indicated that some troops would be called back to service in 2024 and reservists from at least two brigades will be sent home this week. The Israeli military said in a statement and three 
Three of them will be taken back for scheduled training. Now, what the reality is, is that Israel doesn't really have a standing army. They have IDF soldiers who are basically reservists, but these are individuals who are working within the Israeli economy, you know, in different professions, different jobs. And when they get called to war, they are taken out of those jobs in order to engage in military activity in the Gaza Strip. That has proven to be pretty disastrous for Israel's economy. Now, this move is expected to significantly alleviate economic burdens and enable them to gather strength for upcoming activities in the next year, the military said. The Israeli economy is expected to shrink by 2% this quarter. The Taub Center for Social Political Studies, a nonpartisan think tank in Israel, said in late December, as many left the labor force for reserve duty or abandoned businesses in their hometowns. And so that's definitely the main factor. So they're just going to basically, in my opinion, I'm just making a prediction here, resort back to the aerial bombardment of Gaza as opposed to having troops on the ground in addition to the aerial bombardments. And they're making very clear, hey, we're not de-escalating. We plan on being at war in Gaza for the remainder of the year. And remember, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has a, an interest, there's a conflict of interest in fact, in dragging this war out as long as he can because he knows that he's deeply unpopular in Israel. And the second the war is over, they're gonna get rid of him. So he has an interest in keeping this going. And final thing I'll say is that Israeli soldiers, IDF soldiers are dying in the Gaza Strip. and. Obviously, Israel doesn't want that to happen either when they can just do aerial bombardments of the Strip. Around 170 Israeli soldiers have been killed since the beginning of the ground invasion in late October. According to the Israeli military, roughly 29 were killed in accidents involving Israeli troops, such as friendly fire, the military said. The most sophisticated and competent military in the world. So there you have it. Okay, couple things. Um, first, I'm not sure which excuse is real. Maybe they both are, right? That uh, Israel says, hey, this is hurting our economy and we gotta get back to business. And uh, America's saying behind the scenes, no, 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 we're getting them to take it easy, right? No. Uh, and we're putting pressure on them to withdraw a little bit and not continue this war. Look, it's possible both are true. Uh, it's possible neither is true. But there is an internal contradiction here that no one's pointing out that you should be aware of. I have now read many articles who, some of which they say, oh, Israel's withdrawing to become more surgical as America has asked them to be in their strikes. And then they also explain either in those articles or in other articles that they are going to do more aerial bombardment. Wait a minute, those are in direct contradiction of one another. Are you going to be more surgical with special forces as some of the articles claim? Or are you going to do more indiscriminate aerial bombardments? So don't tell me that a 2,000 pound bomb is discriminate or an unguided bomb is discriminate. No, that's just murdering civilians, okay? So which one is it? Is it surgical or is it indiscriminate? So in other words, they're not really withdrawing at all. And my guess is, no, if they're worried about risking IDF soldiers lives, let alone hurting their pocketbooks, they're not gonna send in more special forces. They're gonna do the thing that they're claiming they're gonna do, which is more bombs, which is less surgical. So the death and destruction and mayhem doesn't end. They just do it with even less cost to Israel. And now that leads me to another point, which is, are we supposed to be sympathetic to Israel's economy? Is, is that also terrorism? Like, oh, these Palestinians, they've cost our economy seven to 8% because we were so busy killing them. And so it's obviously their fault for hiding behind the us having to kill all their civilians. And, that, and I, 
I was busy doing that instead of going and running my market in, in Tel Aviv, right? So I should have tremendous sympathy for how my economy has been slightly hurt because we were all so, so busy killing 22,000 Palestinian children and women and grandmothers, etc. No, sorry, on that one, you get no sympathy at all. So maybe you should consider, if, if that's the only thing Netanyahu cares about, maybe you should consider his economy the next time he decides to do a 56 year occupation and brutalize people forever and ever and ever. And then go, oh yeah, oh, I can't believe my economy's down. Oh Wow, wow, what a tragedy. Well, okay. why would he do that when he can have his cake and eat it too? When the US will supply him with the bombs that the IDF can drop remotely from the comfort of their own country. Yeah. Why so, not? That's what he's gonna do. Is it terrorism when you kill civilians or isn't it? We, that's a fundamental question we have to answer. Because if you say no, it's only terrorism when a non-state actor does it, that privileges state violence. Anyone with any degree of rationality understands that. That says that if you're a government, you can kill anyone you like, including civilians, and you're never ever going to be called a terrorist. So, so that obviously that can't be the standard, right? It has to be if you're actually killing civilians in a way that is untargeted. And by that definition, the government of Israel, the rational definition has done minimum 20 times the terrorism of Hamas. So that's a fact, it could make you super uncomfortable, but it is. So now we're supposed to worry that their economy is down because they've been so busy murdering civilians in Palestine. Yeah. No, come on, guys. Bounds of goddamn reason. So yeah, withdraw every. You've killed enough people. If you wanted revenge for October seventh, congratulations. You got twenty times the revenge. Okay. What more do you want? Oh no, Hamas has to, every person in Hamas has to surrender. Come on, get out of here. That's like saying I don't want it to end. I just want to keep killing more civilians. You don't want it to end if you say the standard is. Everyone in Hamas must surrender and we must win com completely. Now it's a ridiculous standard meant to excuse more murder and terrorism. When we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about how South Africa has called for the International Criminal Court to investigate Israel's actions as potential genocide. And we'll also give you Israel's reaction and response to that. We've got that and more coming up, don't miss it. Back on TYT, Jank, Anna, and the American Hero uh, with the handle of O Beach Babe 210 on uh, YouTube because they gifted 50 Young Turks memberships. That's the way to start the year. Love you guys. Hit the join button below to become a member or tyt.com slash join. Anna. All right, we've got some more on Israel and the war in Gaza. Israel says it plans to defend itself against South Africa's allegations that its government and military are currently carrying out a genocide of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. South Africa accused Israel of carrying out a genocide last Friday in the International Court of Justice and asked for the UN Court 
to order a ceasefire in addition to investigate, investigating the claims made regarding genocide. Now let's start with the genocide allegations and Israel's reaction to it. Now the impact of the investigation remains unclear because Israel is not a member nation of the International Criminal Court and does not recognize its jurisdiction. Israel is however, a signatory of the genocide convention along with South Africa, which paved the way for the case at the International Court of Justice, also known as the World Court. Now in the Gaza Strip, conditions have just gone from dire to catastrophic over the few months of this war. Just to give you an update on the number of civilian casualties and the absolute destruction in most of Gaza, particularly in the north. More than 20,000 people have been killed in Gaza since the beginning of the war. Most of them civilians, according to the local health authorities, primarily in Israeli bombing. I want to pause for a second and just note that that number does not include the Palestinians that have been trapped under the rubble. Palestinians who are not able to be saved by anyone in the Gaza Strip because of the fact that they lack the fuel necessary to operate the heavy machinery that can dig through the rubble. So the death toll is actually much higher than that. But this is a conservative estimate in regard to confirmed deaths in the Gaza Strip. Now with aid delivery restricted and aid workers unable to move safely within the territory, half of Gaza's roughly 2.2 million people are at risk of starvation according to the United Nations. In addition to that, all sorts of Illnesses are spreading rapidly in the Gaza Strip, which is unsurprising. They don't have access to clean water. They don't have access to any medical treatment considering the hospitals have been bombed in the Gaza Strip, which is a notable sign of genocide. But I guess Israel will be able to make its case before the international court. Now more than 85% of Gaza's residents have been displaced from their homes, according to the United Nations. And many have crowded into shrinking zones in the enclave south that Israel has designated as safer. Though as we all know, it's still not exempt from aerial bombardments. South Africa has been one of the most vocal critics of Israel. In early November, for instance, they decided to recall one of their diplomats from Israel over that country's treatment of Palestinian civilians in Gaza. And South Africa's president has compared Israel's treatment of Palestinians to apartheid, the racist system of segregation that governed South Africans for nearly 50 years before it ended in 1994. Now, I just wanna Note that the Israeli government says that they're going to defend themselves. Spokesperson Elion Levy says the following, in giving political and legal cover to the October 7th massacre and the Hamas human shield strategy, South Africa has made itself criminally complicit with Hamas's campaign of genocide against our country, saying that the state of Israel will appear at the Hague to dispel South Africa's absurd blood libel. Levy accuses South Levy accuses South Africa fighting pro bono for anti-Jewish racists. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. But, 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 give me a second, Jenk, because I, I got to get to this video real quick before um, I open this up for comment. Because as we know, any vociferous critic of Israel is automatically deemed an anti-Semite, someone who engages in blood libel. A perfect example of that is Alan Dershowitz, who just a few weeks ago went on Al Jazeera for an interview. And I commend him for that because he was asked some tough questions. And when it comes to allegations regarding Israel's bombing of hospitals, for instance, Alan Dershowitz claims that the source of the information, terrorists, and that includes Doctors Without Borders.
Let's watch. If the idea is that the tunnels are underneath anyway and the bombs don't do anything to them and they find them intact, well, but they seemingly know, find them intact afterwards. We, we know that they didn't bomb the hospital. We know that that was an errant rocket. Which hospital? Because many, um, there's many, many hospitals. Hospital where 500 people were killed in the parking lot. That was a false mm -hmm. story that was circulated by Hamas and by the Palestinian. What about the Indonesian hospital or Al Shifa hospital or Nasser hospital? All of those ones. Uh, uh, Doctors Without Borders has become part of Hamas uh -huh. and they speak for him and they protect Hamas and they cover for Hamas. He said the same about the United Nations and UNESCO. Anyone who dare criticize Israel and its treatment of Palestinian civilians, obviously you're linked to Hamas, including the doctors who, by the way, literally risk their lives to provide medical care for Palestinian civilians in the Gaza Strip. He referred to them as terrorists. This man is disgusting. So now the new standard is, if you're trying to save the lives of innocent civilians who we're in the middle of murdering, you're the terrorist. Yep. Let that sink in for what a lunatic position that is. And yet Israel supporters look at Dershowitz and go, nailed it, totally nailed it. Look, we were busy killing those civilians. That grandmother and that baby are obvious terrorists. And these terrorist doctors come in trying to save the baby's life. Terrorists, terrorists, anti-Semites. Now look, we've said this a billion times on the show. There is actually anti-Semitism in the world, a massive anti-Semitism, right? But now, unfortunately, they've ruined the word completely. Now when I see anti-Semite, when anyone sees anti-Semite, especially in regards to the Israeli-Gaza situation, the normal assumption is, oh, that's probably a good person criticizing Israel for war crimes. That is now, so you've ruined, like there's actual anti-Semitism in the world, there's actual anti-Semites. But now there's no meaning to the word. There are actual terrorists in the world, but now there's no meaning to the world. Now those words mean people who dared to criticize the right-wing government of Israel as they murdered over 20,000 innocent civilians in the Palestinian territories. 85% of them don't have homes anymore. Are you kidding if you think this is an ethnic cleansing and genocide? It's because it's a sick joke. This is the biggest ethnic cleansing I have ever seen in my lifetime, in my lifetime. So, I mean, what is your excuse? They had it coming because all of them, it's all Hamas's fault because they forced us to kill all of these people. Well, then why did you fall into their trap? They purposely, I so, mean, look, Netanyahu and Israeli politicians will say one thing to the American press. But I would encourage you to actually watch interviews and listen to what they're saying to press in Israel because they're very clear about what their intentions are. The reason why they have leveled northern Gaza and destroyed 85% of the buildings in the Gaza Strip is because they intentionally want to make it unlivable and they want to push Palestinians out of the Gaza Strip into Egypt, into the Sinai Desert to be specific. They're clear about that. They say it over and over again. And by the way, just quickly going back to Dershowitz, it is unsurprising to me that in regard to defending itself before the international court, Israel wants Alan Dershowitz to represent them. So Barack Ravid wrote on X this morning, Israeli officials say Netanyahu wants Alan Dershowitz to represent Israel at the International Criminal Court hearing next week about South Africa's accusation that it is conducting genocide in Gaza. I called Alan Dershowitz who didn't deny and said, I can't comment about it at this time. 
Okay, well, that makes sense. He's a, a total gigantic liar who all, his only go-to move is character assassination. He's perfect for Netanyahu. So, and they're not even trying to make sense. So I wanna address two more things, three more things here. In terms of the arguments that both Dershowitz and a lot of Israeli supporters use all the time. One is, hey, why don't the other Arab countries just take these people? Why don't we just drive them into the goddamn desert or just drive them into not where they lived and where they grew up, where their family was their whole lives and beyond? Let's frame it correctly. Why don't other Arab countries assist us in the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip? That is. What the question really is. So that look, driving people to another place is the definition of ethnic cleansing. It's ethnic cleansing 101. So if you say, hey, I'm unfair for pointing out something that is 100% true. No, 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 Israel is unfair for actually doing it to 2.2 million people. Wake up, wake up out of your insane bias. If Israel does it, it's great, it's awesome, it's amazing. That's what everybody in power in Washington says. Two more things, the human shields nonsense. By that same exact logic, South Africa, the original apartheid government, could have said the ANC, the African National Congress, they're hiding in the, in the ghettos that we've set up for them. And so I can't believe it, they, don't have, they haven't set up military installations. They haven't designated a place that we could bomb. So of course we have to murder the blacks in South Africa. Because they were being used as human shields by the African National Congress. You can make that argument literally in every case where a government oppresses a minority. And the minority has no place to set up military installations or their own government. And then you bomb the crap out of the, the civilians and go, oh, not my fault. It's just the people I was oppressing dared to fight back. So then they, when I murdered more of them, they were just human shields. Why didn't the African National Congress go and set up a military installation? It's all their fault. Absurd, insane, yet it's set on TV 24 hours a day, okay? And then the last one, blood libel. Blood libel is a very, very serious thing. Not only did the Germans use it back in the day, but it's been used for millennium now. And it's a Christian fundamentalist of all the all back in the day, right? Including all the way up to today, where they say, oh, the Jews kill your children and drink their blood. Now, when QAnon came around, I said, well, watch out, watch out. That's exactly what blood libel is, right? Because they would talk about, oh, the people in power are murdering the babies and drinking their blood. And Hillary Clinton had the face mask. That's blood libel. No one even noticed. They were there like, oh, what, huh, huh? Maybe a couple of people did, but generally not talked about. That's actually, in this case, Israel kills at least 9,000 children so far, at least. And then it says, if you point out the fact that we have killed 9,000 innocent children, then we're gonna say it's blood libel. Now, okay, now you just destroyed that word. Okay, and you and every day Israel costs Jews across the world sympathy. Like for actual suffering that they have in all the different countries in the world. Now, anytime anybody says it, they go, oh, you're right, 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 right. Yeah, more Israeli propaganda. Who would you like to kill today? What are you doing? Stop it. You're not only brutalizing the Palestinians, you're ruining it for Jews across the world. Because every time you use this propaganda, well, if I don't get to kill 9,000 innocent children, then I'm, and you dare to criticize that blood libel, anti Semite, oh, human shields. Okay, whatever, man. You could say all you want, but the rest of us, the rest of humanity is not buying it. Not at all. And you sound ridiculous and barbaric.
I want to reset because I have to mention the final thing that Netanyahu is now proposing, which could lead to potential war with Egypt. So let's talk about what he wants to do with the Egypt Gaza border. Netanyahu has now proposed taking control of Gaza's border with Egypt. Now he's claiming that Israel must control Egypt's border in order to protect Israel and keep the country secure. And so during a press conference last Saturday, here is what Netanyahu said verbatim. This is a direct quote. The Philadelphia corridor, or to put it more correctly, the southern closing point of Gaza must be in our hands. It must be shut. It is clear that any other arrangement would not ensure the demilitarization that we seek. Now, if accomplished, such a move would mark a de facto reversal of Israel's 2005 withdrawal from Gaza, placing that enclave under exclusive Israeli control. Obviously, Israel controls its border with Gaza. And if Israel were to have its way, and if Netanyahu's proposal were to actually come to fruition, then Israel would have control over the Egyptian border with the Gaza Strip. They would have full control over the Gaza Strip, period. They would have even more control over who comes in, who goes out, how much humanitarian aid goes into the country. And I feel that that threat is also being used as a way to encourage Egypt to absorb Palestinian refugees. And this interview with David Frum really stood out to me because the way that he tries to frame this situation in regard to humanitarian aid and the lack thereof is is like a way of putting like a, a pretty face on an effort to ethnically cleanse Palestinians from the Gaza Strip. So let's take a look at what he had to say, and then I'll tell you what I mean. There also are going to have to be, and I, I understand you've talked to John Bolton about this. There's going to have to be some kind of way that people in the Gaza Strip can exit to go find work in play and send remittances home. And one of the roles that Persian Gulf governments can have is that they can offer. Um, work permits to people willing to, to try their hands so that they can earn a living because the aid is not going to flow the way it used to do. People are not going to, are not going to have homes to go back to or many people will not have homes to go back to and the water systems are damaged and the electricity grids are broken um, and it will take a long time to restore them and the resources for that will be coming from inside Gaza, not so much from the outside world anymore. Now you tell me, in a situation in which Netanyahu and the Israeli government have full control over Gaza's borders, if Palestinians are leaving for work, you think they're gonna be allowed back in? I mean, the whole point is to level Gaza, which the IDF is doing a great job of, make it unlivable, and then push Palestinians to the Sinai Desert. That is the whole point, that is what Netanyahu very clearly wants to do. And that is what the Israeli government, multiple officials within the government have been saying openly and publicly in Israeli press. This is, this is disastrous, but Egypt isn't having it. Mustafa Bakri, a member of the Egyptian House of Representatives denounced the idea as an attack on Egyptian sovereignty and a violation of the peace treaty between Israel and Egypt and urged Cairo to wield its military might to prevent the scheme. So what are your thoughts, James? Well, to be fair, Netanyahu said that they must have room to breathe and room to work. And that's why they needed Gaza as a buffer and then you gotta push out. Oh, I'm sorry, that was Adolf Hitler. Does that make you uncomfortable? Because it's not me, it's Netanyahu saying he needs more room. And that's why he's gonna push out all the Palestinians into Egypt, ethnically cleanse them. 
So what you should be deeply uncomfortable that the Prime Minister of Israel is saying things that are incredibly similar to Adolf Hitler. Can Me you, pointing that out isn't the problem. Netanyahu doing it is the problem. Can you guys imagine if the Mexican government said, listen, we're worried about our security. So we want to control the US border with Canada. We should have control over the US border with Canada. Like that's insanity. Yeah, and by the way, we need a little breathing room. So we're gonna take Texas. And so we're gonna drive, hey, why don't the other American states pick them up? Like they do Israel, right, when government does. They go, why don't the other Arab nations just take them after we ethnically cleanse them? I mean, of course, not their homes. They'll be in refugee camps in the middle of a desert. But that they, you know, we had to defend ourselves by doing ethnic cleansing and genocide. And then they follow that up with, oh, but they don't, even they don't want these dirty Palestinians. I mean, just completely putting words in the mouths of Egyptian officials who, again, don't want to aid and abet the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from their land. But here we are. And by the way, this is what we as a country, the United States government, is providing support for, which is why we talk about this issue so often on the show. If we are have, if we are funding and supporting this, this is on our government, and I, I am worried about the way that this appears on the international stage. It looks terrible, and we really have no leg to stand on in regard to humanitarian abuses in other countries when we are carrying out the support of Israel and their barbaric actions in the in the Gaza Strip. So, guys, lastly on this. I don't want to invalidate all the harm that has been done to Jews across the world throughout time. That is absolutely true. It definitely happened and it continues to happen in places where they are minorities. There's no question about that. But at the same time, you don't get to say, because I have been victimized in the past, I get to do the same thing to others. And you're not allowed to criticize me because I've been a victim in the past. No, that's not how it works. I, I fight for you and I fight to protect you anywhere where you're being victimized, okay? Including October 7th. But you don't get to say no one is ever allowed to criticize us ever again because we were victimized in the past. Because guess what? I got news for you. Everyone's been victimized. Yes, the Jews way worse, right? But were the Armenians victimized? Yes, definitely. Do they? So no one's ever allowed to criticize. What the government of Armenia does or what any Armenian does, that's insane. It's an insane standard, right? That's true of Arabs, the Palestinians, they've been victimized. I mean, massively victimized. Right. But everybody's allowed to call them terrorists 24 seven, right? So no, I'm done with the double standards and you can say anything you like and it doesn't matter because those you've robbed every word of its meaning, so no one cares. So you call every one of your opponents anti-Semitic and blah, 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 and all that nonsense as you do the ethnic cleansing and the genocide. And guys, again, it is about the government of Israel. It is not about quote unquote Jews doing it. Half of Israel doesn't agree, a huge percentage of Jewish Americans don't agree. So don't make it about race and religion. Do not do the problems of the past, but Israel does not get a free pass on ethnic cleansing. And if they don't like that, I don't care at all. Stop the ethnic cleansing, stop the genocide, and then we can have a conversation. When we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about how the Biden administration decided to bypass Congress in order to supply Israel with more weaponry. We'll be right back.
Jane Huber, Anna Kasparian, and James Hanika. He just joined here on the Young Turks. We appreciate you and BH gifted 10 memberships on YouTube. You're amazing. Thank you, Anna. Well, let's talk a little bit about what the Biden administration has been doing in order to get more weapons to Israel. For the second time in just one month, President Joe Biden and the Biden administration decided to bypass that pesky Congress that they often have to deal with in order to send more arms to Israel worth about $150 million. Now the sale of $147.5 million in equipment such as fuses, chargers and primers is intended to help the functionality of the US allies previous purchase of nearly 14,000 rounds of 155 millimeter shells in early December. To push that sale through though, what the State Department did is last Friday, they said that they invoked an emergency provision that avoids a congressional review process, which is generally required for arms sales to other nations. That provision specifically states that the president has legal authority to bypass Congress's approval if an emergency exists, which requires the sale to be made immediately in the national security interests of the United States. Let's, that last part. In the national security interests of the United States. How exactly is bombing the crap out of the Gaza Strip in the national security interests of the United States? Of course it's not. But nonetheless, the department, the State Department, used the same provision in early December to facilitate a $106 million government sale of nearly 1,400 rounds of tank ammunition to Israel. The Department of Defense said in a statement on Friday that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, an unelected official, had provided detailed justification to Congress that an emergency exists that requires the immediate sale to Israel. He said that the United States is committed to the security of Israel and it is vital to US national interest to assist Israel to develop and maintain a strong and ready self defense capability. This proposed sale is consistent with those objectives. It is incumbent upon all countries to employ munitions consistent with international humanitarian <laughs> law, which is an absolute joke considering the war crimes that the IDF has committed. Now the Defense Security Cooperation Agency, which is part of the Pentagon, notified Congress of the sale of these weapons on Friday to Congress after Anthony Blinken approved it. Something that again, Congress should have done. Josh Paul, who's the former official in the State Department who resigned in the beginning of this war over the sale of arms to Israel, had some strong words about this. He argued that the sale would enable Israel to continue operations that have led to Palestinian civilian deaths. This makes a complete mockery of the repeated endorsement by Secretary Blinken of the rules based international order as the Biden administration continues to rush munitions, unguided munitions in this instance to Israel during the Gaza conflict. This is shameful, craven and should frankly turn the stomach of any decent human being by the arms provided in today's arms transfer, more children will die. And some members of Congress are speaking out against this, including more conservative members of Congress. We'll get to them in a moment. Cenk, what are your thoughts? Okay, two things here. One is on the merits, the idea that Israel is in desperate emergency need for more self-defense is absurd. Does anyone really believe that? Like. 
They're dropping 2,000 pound bombs. They've dropped 29,000 bombs in a place the size of Las Vegas. It looks like they have plenty of military capability to kill massive numbers of Palestinian civilians, let alone the tiny, tiny fraction of Hamas fighters that they have killed. So without, this is an emergency for America that Israel hasn't been able to kill more innocent Palestinian civilians, national emergency. If you say that with a straight face, you're so deeply biased that you can't see straight, or you work in Washington and you get paid by defense contractors, okay? So there is no other explanation for that absurd claim. So now the second part of it, the juxtaposition. When we ask for higher wages or paid family leave or lower drug prices or a child tax credit, anything for the American people, you know what the answer always is, how are you gonna pay for that? There's no money for it, okay? No way, we do no way, we do, we, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do, the filibuster, the parliamentarian, I got this excuse, I got that, I got a million excuses why I can't help the average American, the average American citizen, never, never any help for them. But when it comes to war, oh, we got plenty of money. What's the only thing that's passed in this gridlock Congress? A giant defense budget, even though the Pentagon can't pass an audit. They don't know where half the money goes, they're like, but all of a sudden, plenty of money for war. Because the defense contractors gotta get stinking rich off your taxes. But your kids, no way we're gonna help your kids. So now all of a sudden, huh, Israel needs more money for war. It turns out there's everything we could do. It's so easy. <laughs> you don't need Congress, you have filibuster parliamentary. Now just give it to them. It's Israel and it's war. Give it to them, give it to them, give it to them. To be fair, so Jane- we don't have any money for Americans. But we have money for war in Israel. To be Tell fair, riddle me that. I mean, look, in Israel, I mean, they've deemed this an emergency. This is a crisis. Oh, it's an emergency. I see. Okay. There's no emergency. There's no crisis currently taking place here in the United States. Uh, we've had an ongoing, never-ending housing crisis. We've got tens of thousands of Americans living on the streets as a result of that. We have parents who don't know what to do with their children. When they want to go to work because childcare is astronomical in the country right now. You have wages that have gone up just a little bit since the 1970s, but still haven't kept up with inflation because inflation skyrocketed under the Biden administration. So any type of help to the American people, no, we can't do it. There's all sorts of excuses up and down. Oh, well, there's gridlock in Congress, there's the parliamentarian, there's a legislative filibuster in the Senate. But when it comes to getting weapons to Israel, they don't have to worry about Congress. They can bypass Congress. And by the way, the same thing happens when it comes to raising the debt ceiling, right? They'll just do away with the legislative filibuster to raise the debt ceiling. That's the only time Congress is able to operate without worrying about these arbitrary rules that could easily be done away with. And this is a good example of how easily those arbitrary rules can be done away with if there's a will to carry out the proposal, in this case, weapons to Israel. So I got an, uh, I think there was an emergency not only in Palestine, but in East Palestine mm-hmm. here in America, in Ohio. Can't be right? bothered with that. So the derailed train, uh, the environmental catastrophe that resulted from that, can't, can't be bothered with it. There's, there's, sorry, there's nothing we can do. There's no, the parliamentarian, the filibuster, there's nothing we could do. Biden, nothing we could do. Biden couldn't even be bothered to visit that community. Yeah. So, but I get, you know, what's also East of Palestine is Israel. That's, so I got a great suggestion for East Palestine. 
uh, rename it to Israel, Ohio, and you'll get all the funding you want. And you start a war with a local county, nearby county, or attack Pennsylvania, Oh my God. Well, you have a right to defend yourself, East Palestine. You don't have a right to defend yourself from malicious corporations that almost literally set up a bomb in your community and poisoned your kids. You don't have any right to self-defense on that. But if you rename yourself Israel and attack Pittsburgh, then we'll say you have a right to defend yourself and we'll send you all the money you need. So I mean, look, this is absurdities, but this is what's happening in America. And if Israel asked right after October 7th and Israel was a poor country, and my God, we gotta go help those poor folks defend themselves, okay, that makes sense, right? But this isn't October 8th. We've now seen three months of death and destruction, very, very well financed by Israel, now having killed 20 times the number of people that Hamas did. Mm -hmm. And we're supposed to pretend that they're poor and that they can't defend themselves and that we have no money for Americans, but we have plenty of money for Israel. That's what we're all supposed to pretend so we don't get called anti-Semitic? That's right. Sorry, no deal. And we're supposed to also pretend that we're totally fine with our system of checks and balances being thrown out the window entirely when it has to do with the best interests of another country. By the way, Tim Kaine, a Democratic senator who leans more conservative to be quite frank with you, was not okay with what the Biden administration did here. Typically, you wouldn't really hear a peep from Tim Kaine on this issue, but here's what he posted on social media. Why should the administration bypass Congress on arms sales to any nation? Bypassing Congress equals keeping the American public in the dark. That is shocking. That That is a shocking statement. I didn't expect that from Tim Kaine, but I would, really appreciate more members of Congress speaking out against this power grab here by the Biden administration. So I'll tell you something else that's shocking, and I wanna do two things about it, which is six of the most conservative Democrats in the House also sent a letter a couple of weeks ago, including Spamberger and Moulton. These are very conservative Democrats, worked in the military and the CIA before, those two, let alone the other six. They sent a letter to Biden saying, you gotta stop Israel from killing more civilians. And so great credit to them for doing that, even though we disagree with them on other issues in terms of domestic policy. I'll always give credit where credit is due, including to Tim Kaine here. But it's my job to be honest with you guys. What that tells me is, now these are people that have always said green light, green light for whatever Israel wants to do, right? They must have awful polling numbers back home in their districts and in their states. Mm -hmm. Showing if you keep going like this, you're gonna lose your power here. Because young people especially, including Jewish Americans, young people hate what the administration is doing. Totally, I mean, upward of 70% of Americans, and obviously that's gonna include a sizable portion of conservative voters as well, want a ceasefire. They see what's happening and they can tell that it is wrong. They want a ceasefire. But so there is this disconnect between what the United States government is carrying out in the arming of the IDF and the support and cover for the Israeli government and how Americans are actually feeling about this war. Yeah, and I give you that as context so you know the full story. But that doesn't mean you should take credit away from Tim no. Kaine, Spanberger and Moulton. They've come to the correct position, so we're very happy to have them. Great, wonderful. President Biden, you should listen to even conservative members of your own party saying you've gone too far. This is crazy. We keep telling Americans we don't have any money. Then the minute that Israel's killing civilians nonstop, you find magically find money and circumvent Congress. They're absolutely right, so credit to that.
By the way, speaking of domestic emergencies, we have an ongoing migrant crisis. That's something that we're gonna talk about in the second hour of the show. Also, Claudine Gay has resigned from Harvard. We'll give you the details on that and more. It's gonna be a crazy hour, don't miss it. <laughs>